God's people said. Well, did you enjoy that worship today? And you even learned a little bit of Spanish today too, didn't you? Let's give that worship team a big hand. Come on, let's thank the Lord for them. Everybody feeling good today? Feeling good? You're in church, finally. Oh, God is good. God is good. I want to thank you for being here, and uh, you know that we're blessed. Amen? Amen? God saw you through this past year and brought you to this year. And I've told you this before. The Bible says that all of your days were written down before even one of them came to be. And uh, you just need to trust uh, that God knows what he's doing. Amen? And as you've been told, our theme for this year, 2021, is abundant joy in Christ. And I believe that's an appropriate theme for us for these next 12 months. We have encouraged you as a church uh, to memorize Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. You've got a whole year to do it, but I want to encourage you to be memorizing Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, and be praying that prayer over your family, over those that you know, over this country. And then we've asked you to read through the whole Bible. We've given you some, some Bible reading guides. And uh, just get started on that. We'll talk more about that in this message. And then today was the day that you got your T-shirt. So I hope you got to pick those up. And uh, if you were not able, if you're watching online, uh, we'll be handing those out next week as well for those who were not able to be here uh, today. Uh, also, inside your bulletin, we gave you a list of all the sermons for the entire year. Last, year, last week, you couldn't read it very well, so we put it in there a little clearer, so hopefully you've got that list and you'll be with us as we go through this entire year. This current series, I'll show it to you, the very first series, we've got 10 different series uh, this year. This is the first, and this series is called Invincible Joy. It's a joy that no one can take from you. Once it's in there, it's there. And today, if you look up at the screen, I'm speaking today, today's January 23, 24, I'm speaking on the subject, joy in the trial, how you can have joy even in the midst of a trial. Next week will be joy uh, comes in the morning, and you'll want to be here next week for that. Then we have joy in prayer, and the last week of this series will be a joy in love and marriage. That's Valentine's weekend. And you can't really go anywhere now, travel-wise, so just tell your spouse, say, honey, for Valentine's Day, let's just go to church together as a couple. Oh, she'll love you forever if you'll just do that. So uh, and I, I promise you, we'll have a lot of love, a lot of fun, a lot of joy on Valentine's weekend if you'll be here uh, for that. Today, specifically, joy in the trial, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of James, James chapter 1. We want to look at four verses, verse 2, 3, 4, and 5. Four verses. And I think these four verses have the ability to transform your life. So hope you have your sermon notes and hope you have your Bible. Joy in the trial. Joy in the trial. That, that thought alone is contrary to how most of us feel and certainly the world has no concept of. I want to tell you the story. You might have heard about it. Chippy the parakeet. Chippy the parakeet. He was well-named. Chippy never saw it coming. One second he was peacefully perched in his cage, and the next 
He was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problem began when Chippy's, Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. That was problem number one. When the owner stuck the end of the vacuum hose inside the cage, the phone rang. And she turned over to grab the phone. And when she turned over, Chippy was sucked into the vacuum cleaner. The owner gasped. She put the phone down. She turned the vacuum cleaner off. And she unzipped the bag. And there was Chippy still alive. He was kind of stunned, but he was, he was alive. But he was covered in dust, dirt. So she, didn't, she just ran over. She wasn't even thinking. She went over to the water faucet, turned it on, and just stuck him underneath the water faucet to get all that dirt off of him. Then, then he was cold and shivering, and so she went and got the hair dryer. Any compassionate bird owner would do that, and turned the hot air and just you know, dried him off there. Chippy never knew what hit him. <laughs> and Chippy lost his song. But if you think about it, sucked in, washed up, and blown over, that pretty much sums up how most of us feel today, right? But unlike people who don't know the Lord and who lack genuine faith, we who are saved... No matter what we go through, we continue to trust in the Lord, we trust in his word, and we trust in his purpose, that God knows what he's doing ultimately, amen? amen. The book of James, James chapter one, this book was written to people, believers, that were going through a very severe trial. It was written to Jewish believers who were hated and despised. The Gentiles hated them because they were Jewish. Jews hated them because they had become believers in Jesus Christ. And rather than consoling them, James challenges them to trust God even in the midst of their suffering. It's a silly notion that if you become a Christian, you won't have any problems. That's a silly notion. James explains that it's our response to the trials that actually prove the reality of our faith. The question you should have is not how can I avoid trials. Your question should be how can I change the way I respond when trials come my way. I want to share with you four, we have four verses I want to share with you four different actions or responses to trials. Here's the first one. Write this down. Write down the word rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Say rejoice. Rejoice. That should be your first response. I know that's contrary to how you feel, but your heart should be a joyful heart, a joyful heart. Now, we want to begin with verse 2, and I honestly, I could stay here the whole hour if I wanted. Uh, but verse 2 reads, consider it pure joy. Everybody say pure joy. Now, that's, that's like 100% joy. That, this is not fake joy. We're like, oh, I got, I, I, you look happy, but on the inside, you're miserable. It says, no, consider it pure, 
pure joy, brothers, he's talking about those of us that are saved, whenever you face trials of many kind. I want you to circle the word whenever. You have that verse in your notes. Circle the word, I'm going to have you circle two words. Circle whenever. Notice it doesn't say if you go through a trial. It is saying when you go through a trial. You will face trials, and you will face trials of many kinds, just so you know. Now, I want, to, I want you to raise your hand just to give uh, proof of this verse. How many of you, you know, you know trials come in all different shapes and sizes. Some are physical, some are financial, some are relational, some are emotional. We go through all kinds of different, they're d- different trials. How many of you in this room will raise your hand and, and admit that this past year, you per- I'm not talking about you know of someone, I'm talking about you personally. You personally have been through, you've, you've experienced some type of loss, some type of sorrow, some type of trial, some type of heartache. Raise your hand if you feel like you personally have been through a trial. Look, look around at all the hands. So the, when the, the Bible says, rightfully so, uh, that you will face trials, the question is, when they come, how do you face them? What is your response? Well, we get a hint here in the very, this very first verse. I want you to circle another word. Circle the word consider. Circle the word consider. And, and right next to it, I want you to write down the word count. Count. Count it all joy. Some translations of this verse read, count it all joy. Or consider. The word consider means count. This, if you're a CPA, if you're here, if you're an accountant, this first word, consider or count, it's a financial or numerical word. And I'll, I'll give you a picture of what he's talking about. If you take a piece of paper, you don't have to do it now, uh, but, but put a line down the middle of the paper and you have two columns. And on that column, those two columns, the first column, you list all of your assets, all the good stuff in your life, all right? I'm giving you an example here. Uh, and, and, and number one at the top of the list are grandbabies. We, we need more grandbabies. I got three children, they're all married, and only two grandbabies, and I'm upset about it. <laughs> but um, I got to see my grandbabies today. I held them, and sometimes I come out to church, if I got stuff over, all over me, the pastor didn't take it, it's just because I was holding the grandbabies backstage, all right, because they, they leave stuff on you. But anyway, it, uh, yesterday it rained. I don't know if any of you had to sleep outside in the rain, though. Most of you probably had a roof over your head, so that would be an asset, a good thing. Most of you have food in the fridge. Can someone say amen? You got clothes in your closet, all right? All the good stuff. But there's another ledger there where you list all your liabilities. And you write down all the stuff that's wrong in your life. The heartache, the trials, you're sick, or you lost a loved one, or you're lonely, or you lost your job, or maybe your best friend, and the whole world has betrayed you. Whatever it is, list all your assets, And then you write down everything in your life that you think is wrong about your life. Write them all down. And if if you're a Christian, if you're a, a believer in Jesus Christ, then you take the brightest color pen you can find, and over that list of liabilities, you get to write the word joy over all those trials. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. You're telling me I'm supposed to write the word joy over the liabilities? Yes, that's what this verse says. It says to count. Again, it's a CPA, it's an accountant term. 
Look at all those liabilities and consider all of that pure joy as you go through these various trials in your life. You say, Pastor, Pastor, time out, time out, time out. How in the world can you tell me to do that? Well, there's only one way you can write joy over all your trials. And that is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you come to realize, I want you to write this down, and, and, and you come to realize that God is greater than any trial that you might be facing. That's, that's why if you're not a Christian, you don't even understand what I'm talking about right now. Only a Christian can understand this. Someone who believes in God. Psalm 46 verse one says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help. He's not off a billion miles away. He is a present help in trouble. Hebrews 13, six says, so we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Bible says in Psalm 121, verse two, my help comes from the Lord. He's the maker of the heaven and the earth. And I love Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. I just love the emotion of the very first word. Ah, he says, he says, ah, Lord God, it is you who've made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. That's the only way you can write joy over all of your trials. God is greater than your fear. God is greater than cancer. God is greater than sickness. He's greater than divorce. He's greater than the wind and the rain. He's greater than your little child care problem. He's greater than Trump and Biden combined. I said combined. He's greater than your debt. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than your past mistakes. Nothing is too difficult for God. That's how you write joy over your trials. And then I want to suggest to you, write this down quickly, that rejoicing, this is where we're all kind of, we get all confused on this. Rejoicing is not a feeling. It is a decision that you make. The Bible tells us over and over again to rejoice. I have a verse there for you, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 is the reference. It says, be joyful always, always. Not just when things are good, but when things are good and when things are bad. Be joyful always means what? Always. Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I just like saying that verse. Don't you like reading the verse? You should say this verse, and you should say it over and over and over. This is a verse you should just, you should memorize this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You say, well, preacher, I don't feel like rejoicing when I'm sick. I don't feel like rejoicing when I'm hurting. I don't feel like rejoicing when I'm sitting in that dentist chair on Monday. Well, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on your happenings. You know, if, if things around you are happy, you're happy. 
Everything, people are nice to you. You're happy, happy, happy. So say happy, happy, happy. Come on, say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, happy, happy because my happenings are happy. Well, what happens when someone's not nice to you? Can you still be happy, happy, happy when someone's talking bad about you? Well, happiness is based on joy is something on the inside that comes as a result of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, it is so easy for you to tell me to rejoice. Hey, I'm not the one telling you this. This is God's word. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's a decision that you make. Even when you're going through a tough time, I know that's hard for you. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, that, the, the book of Philippians was written by a man named Paul. And when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, guess where he was when he was writing those words? He was in prison, a damp, dusty, dark, filthy, filthy dungeon in Rome. And as far as he knew, he was going to have his head chopped off at any moment. And it was in that circumstance that he tells us, hey, whatever you're doing, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again to you, rejoice. Anyone can rejoice when things are going good, but only a Christian can rejoice when things are bad. I could relate to Desiree losing her dad because I lost my dad 10 months ago. And it was, it was gut-wrenching. I, I might talk about him next week, I don't know. It's gut-wrenching to lose your dad. I think about him every day. And uh, he's my hero. I mean, hero in so many ways. I could, I could spend all day talking about him. And when he was dying, I mean, it was, a, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through, but when he died, as, as, much, as, as, as much as that was gut-wrenching, our entire family, because of Jesus Christ, and only because of Jesus Christ, we know that he's in heaven, and we also know because of Jesus Christ that we're going to get to see him again, and we're not only going to get to see him again, but one day we'll get to be with him for all of eternity. Therefore, even though I was hurting based on my circumstances inside, I am rejoicing that he's with the Lord and that one day I'll get to see him again. And only a Christian can do that. So the first word is rejoice. Here's now the second word. Second word is the word realize. You've got to realize some things. Inside your heart, you've got to start figuring this stuff out, all right? And, and I've said this to you. You're going to hear me say it many times. Stop listening to the news and stop listening to social media and start looking at God's Word. That's why I want you to read through God's Word because it's going to give you a different perspective on, on what you're going through. God's Word is, is, your, is your blueprint for how you should live your life. Verse 3 reads, because you know. You know, at least, at least you should know, if you, if you don't know, you should know, that the testing of your faith, now get this, any trial, any trial you go through, it's a test of your faith. Some people, in the midst of the trial, they fail the test. They turn and they run away from God. Some people pass the test. 
When they're in the middle of the trial, that's when they, they, they get closer to God than they've ever been before. But any trial is a testing of your faith. And you should know this, that, that those many trials back in verse 2, you go through all that. Uh, the only way you can have pure joy is because you know that there's this testing of your faith that's going on that's developing something in you called perseverance. Now, I've, I've always been told this, and I, I after experience, I believe this to be true, that faith is a lot like a muscle, and that the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And if you don't use your faith or you don't use your muscles, they, they, they atrophy they grow weaker, so when things are good in your life, you don't, even, you don't even use faith. You're not exercising your faith when everything's good. But when things go south, and you're going in the midst of this, this hurricane, this season of trial, that's when you have to exercise your faith. And that's why the trial's actually a good thing. You need to understand that if you see difficulty through this lens, then you'll see the value of your trials. Now, write this down, that your trials increase your faith. That's what's going on here. God is working in your life. You have no idea what he's up to half the time, but he's trying to, he's trying to stretch your faith. The adaptation of Robert Browning Hamilton's poem goes like this. It's very simple. I walked a mile with laughter. She chatted all the way, but I was none the wiser for all she had to say. But then I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but all oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We learn most in difficult times. Now look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3. It's the same type of thing. This is a different book, not written by James. It's written by Paul again. And he says these words, as Christians, we rejoice in our sufferings. What? That's what it says. We rejoice in our sufferings. Well, you say, well, how can you? Pastor, I, I, how do you say that? Well, look what it says. Because we know, there's that phrase again, we know. We, again, a heart that understands that when we're suffering, that we know, what do we know? Well, that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance is producing something called character, and character is producing something called hope. Therefore, if all that is being produced, that's how we rejoice in our suffering. And again, uh, if we understand that, we wouldn't fear trials, we would actually welcome trials. And we'd say, it looks like God's up to doing something in my life again. And uh, I want you to look uh, at, at Romans 8, 28. Again, it's a different chapter. It says, and here's this phrase, and we know, oh, here it is again, we know what? This is a heart that understands. We know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, somehow, uh, through all this difficulty, God is working in our life, and you and I should know that. When those trials hit, that's a heart that understands. The problem is we all like shortcuts. That's the problem. And we've raised up a generation of young people who expect everything just to be free. And I want you to know that there are no shortcuts 
to character. There are no shortcuts to developing perseverance. There are no shortcuts to growing your faith. You've heard the phrase, the north wind is what made the Vikings. And those same north winds, trials, develop character in you and in me. Trials increase your faith. Now write this down quickly. The word perseverance, because we go through that trial, it develops this thing called perseverance. What is perseverance? Perseverance is a Greek word that means to stand your ground. When that storm comes, you don't get blown over here. You stand your ground. You hold fast. The absolute perfect picture of this is in a 1995 movie called Braveheart when William Wallace's Scottish forces are waiting for the English to attack. And when the English attack, Wallace has laid a trap. And so while the enemy is fast approaching, here are his soldiers, he begins to yell, hold, 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 hold. And that's exactly what this word means. The point of this text is to hold your ground even in a trial. God has a plan. It's a plan of victory. You need to trust in the commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all gonna turn out good, even if you can't see that. He is developing your faith. You remain steadfast. They're clapping over here. That was a, okay. Here's the third word, write this down. It's the word remain. Remain. Oh, and this is, this is where it kinda gets kinda deep here, so you gotta stay with me. What God is doing as you remain steadfast in the midst of a trial, he's trying to develop your heart he wants you to be Christ-like in every area of your life. So that, look at verse four, perseverance must finish its work. Hold, hold, here's the trial, the storm, hold. You just hold your ground so that you can be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. And here's where we make a mistake. We look at that in a, in a worldly sense. We think he's talking in a worldly sense. But this is not a worldly thing. This is a spiritual thing that he's talking about. Spiritually, you will be mature. Spiritually, you will be complete. You will be like Christ. You will lack nothing. You see, God wants you to be Christ-like in every area of your life. He, that's God's business. God is in the business of shaping lives to be like his son, Jesus Christ. You are mistaken if you think God's goal for you is to be happy. That's not God's goal to get you happy. God's goal for you is to be holy. God's goal for you is to be Christ-like. And God has a big task because none of us are Christ-like completely. So he's constantly putting us in situations where our lives are being shaped. No one is perfect except Jesus himself. 
So the process will go on forever as long as you're on this earth. I heard of a pastor who once asked his congregation, he said, has anyone ever met a perfect person? And only one guy, old boy in the back, he raised his hand. And he said, you've met a perfect person? He says, well, I've never met him, but I've heard about him. And he said, well, who is he? And he says, it's my wife's first husband. <laughs> that was a joke, and I'll explain that to you later on, okay? <laughs> Jesus said these words, and I gotta tell you, have you ever read something Jesus said, and you said, I don't even wanna hear that. I don't, Jesus, I don't even wanna hear that. This is one of those verses, and you can look it up. Matthew 5, verse 48, here's what it says. Jesus said to his followers, you need to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Have you ever thought about that verse? Be perfect. That's what Christ calls us to be, is perfect. And again, I go back to my first statement. None of us are perfect. Well, if none of us are perfect, how do we become perfect? Well, God continues to put you in the washing machine, the turbulent machine, the storms and trials of life, because as you go through those trials and you stand your ground, you develop this thing called perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you will become mature, complete, not lacking anything, and you'll be just like his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And doesn't it make sense, if you understand all that, that you can write joy over all your liabilities if you see the big picture? Isn't that possible? There are three words that are in your, uh, your outline that you need to know. Uh, one is the word salvation. One is the word sanctification. And the third word is the word what? Service. And you need to know all three of these words. All right, write this down quickly. Salvation is what God has done for you at Calvary, something that God did for you. Sanctification is what God does in you. And that's really what we're talking about here today. The third word, service, is what God does through you. So God saves you, which he did at work on the cross through Jesus Christ. Then God begins to shape you and form you and sanctify you. It's that sanctification process. That's what we're looking at at this very moment. And I, I just want you to know that the, this, is a, this is a lesson of a lifetime. If you could take this lesson and remember it the rest of your life, that God allows certain trials to come your way to test your faith, to develop your faith. You have to learn how to endure, how to persevere, how not to run away from God, but to hold your ground and to remain your faith and your trust in God. And then through that, God begins to mature you. He begins to stretch you. He begins to grow your faith, and you become complete. You become Christ-like, and you, you lack nothing spiritually in your life, and your faith becomes a greater faith, and your trust becomes a greater trust. Someone noted that the oak tree is really an acorn that has matured. And then someone in response wrote these words, and when you are discouraged and feeling a little blue, 
take a look at the mighty oak tree and see what a nut can do. Because that's what God's trying to turn you into is a mighty oak tree. And anytime you're in a trial, you just say, Lord, you have my attention. My heart, my eyes, my focus, my attention is on you. What is it that you're trying to teach me? What is it that you're trying to do in my life, shape me? What do you want me to become? How are you trying to stretch me? I'm yours. And when you do that, you can find joy in the midst of a trial. And as we close, as we prepare to close, the last word is the word receive. This is a prayerful heart. And I, I, I can't let you out of here till I talk about this. The biggest question that we normally have when we go through a trial, the most common question in the midst of a trial is the question, why? You've asked it a thousand times. Why me? Why now? Why this? Why? Why God, why? That's the biggest question. And it's a blessing if you read James 1, verse 2, verse 3, and verse 4, and you understand the context of what the Bible's talking about, being written to some people going through a severe trial, that we have verse 5. And in the midst of talking about trials and joy and and, and all this grow, growing and this stretching that's going on, verse 5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you don't understand. All you have to do is ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Hindsight is always 20-20. You can always look back and see what God was doing in your life. But when you're in the midst of it, you're unsure. And that's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in. The very essence of prayer and getting down on your knees is trusting in your Heavenly Father that He knows best. I was on a flight from Indianapolis back here to Los Angeles, and the turbulence was severe. I've been in all kinds of planes and all kinds of turbulence, and I don't get scared very often, but I was scared. And right then, the pilot came on, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to tell you that we're in the very best altitude that we can be. In other words, we're all thinking, can you go higher, go lower, get somewhere else? Where is this Kellen's back here? He goes, this is the very best turbulence we could possibly be in right now. Did that make us feel any better? No. And then he said this, over the intercom. He goes, I've got some bad news and some good news. <laughs> bad news! What is that? And he said, the bad news is we're going to be in this turbulence for another 100 miles. And we're like, ah. Oh. And he said, the good news is, as fast as we're going, we'll be out of this thing in about 10 minutes. <laughs> the pilot's voice and the pilot's wisdom gave us perspective on the trial that we were enduring. 
And in the same way, when we say, hey, memorize the scripture, read through God's word, stop listening to the news, stop watching social media, start reading God's word. When you listen to the voice of the pilot and you understand his promises and all the things that are in God's word, let me tell you, it will give you a whole different perspective on the trials that you're going through this very moment. Write this down. Andre Crouch wrote this great song called Through It All. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I've learned to trust in God's word. And in the third verse of that song, he said these words. If I'd never had a problem, then I wouldn't know that God could solve them. If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. Let's stand and bow our heads for word of prayer. Off to my left are some doors if you need to be baptized. We baptized people last night at 6 o'clock and this morning at 9. And uh, we have counselors over there just walk through those doors. They're there waiting. And uh, if you have a decision for Jesus to become a Christian, uh, you want to be able to say joy and have joy in the midst of a trial, come and give your life to Jesus Christ. And... Uh, Walk through those doors. We'll talk with you through that decision. If you're watching online, you can just text the word Jesus, and we will get a hold of you. If you have a prayer request, you can go through those doors, and they will pray with you right now. Uh, make sure you grab your shirt if you've not grabbed it, and uh, I'll see you back here next weekend, Lord willing. Amen? Next weekend, we're going to talk about joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for church. Thank you for... The Word, James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, 4, and 5. Oh, there is so much wisdom there for us. God, you know, the Bible is, is people think, well, that was a book written thousands of years. It is the most relevant book on the planet for what we're going through this very moment because God's Word is eternal. And God's principles are eternal. God, help us to look at our assets and our liabilities and realize that all the things that are good came from you and really all the trials that we're going through, that we can have a joy, a joy that is invincible, a joy that is indestructible if our relationship with you, God, is where it should be. And I just ask you to bless every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. Bless every family. Bless every marriage. Bless every married person. Bless every single person. Bless every elderly person. Bless every child. God, may we rest in the truth of your word. And as we listen to your voice, may it give us perspective on everything we go through in this life. We pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for coming to church. God bless.